My name is Nahisha Sab Woodley. I'm black mom, uh, one of the black moms. Introduce yourselves, please. Nikki. Hi, I'm Erica Taylor. Um, I'm also a black mom. I have four kids in the public school, public school system here in New York City. Hi, I'm Tiana. Yeah, I said stress my R, Tiana. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tiana. I have two kids. One in the public school system, one out of the public school system. Thank God. <laughs> I am Sophia. I have two kids, like Tiana, one in the public school and one out the system altogether. <laughs> and I'm uh, Nikki Mitchell. I have one son uh, currently in the public school system in the rising sixth grade. Be able to go back. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So Nikki, um, when we last spoke last week, you you um, wanted to talk a little bit about this here remote learning. Like, did you kind of um, come up with some more things to um, kind of lead the discussion with that? Or like, how do you guys, That I mean, that's a question to everybody. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we didn't really discuss it last week. It's not really much to discuss because there's nothing going on. Um, so, um, yeah, I think we're, we're really in limbo. Um, the kids are in limbo. I feel really bad. I mean, this is September now and, um, I thought my son didn't need a break because of a lot of screen time from the remote learning in March, uh, April, May, and June. So he definitely needed that break. And I tried not to inundate him over the summer because everything is was still, uh, remote because of COVID. So if he had to do day camp, if he had to participate in tutoring, everything was over Zoom. And I tried that for the first week and I realized it was just overload for him because he had been doing this Zoom since March. So I decided, my husband and I decided we weren't going to do that. We just let him have a nice summer and relax. Um, as we get into September, right after Labor Day, I'm starting to get a little concerned um, because I think, uh, I mean, he is a bright boy, but, and I, I mean, you know, I'd rather have a live Malachi than a dead Malachi and a, a dumb Malachi than a, you know, than, a, than one that goes to school. But I will say, um, I just wish that they had been a plan. I think they did have all, it's a, it's a little disheartening. And actually not even this summer, they've had since March. The building's been closed since March. So this is kind of disheartening that we here certainly has a concrete plan. And I, you know, included uh, faculty, teachers, union, DOE, everyone. The only ones that suffer are the children. That's my take. Anybody else want to lean in with that? Well, see, I've been talking to a couple of people and I'm a big, a big conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. I'm like, how so? Why is it that our kids are getting a short end of the stick? And and how can I say it? Because I've been, I read a paper articles or whatever the case may be. Notice that a lot of white people got tutors, tutors, and all and stuff like that for their children. But our children are being left. I feel like our children are actually being left behind, to tell you the truth, because the, the statistics on our public school system. Only a small percentage of it is white, and a lot of it is my, and the majority of it is minority. So I'm like, to tell you the truth, I'm ready to jump into Barnes and Nobles and get my son all his books he needs. He already got the books to read and stuff like that. I'm about to go get math workbooks, social studies workbooks, science workbooks, because I'm like, I can't wait on you guys to like really decide because I feel like y'all hurting our children in this. My sister's kids are in charter school. I don't, I don't care if they charter school, but. They in charter school and they already have a curriculum for them that they've been starting since August 31st. Every day they're learning something new and I'm like, all right, public school system, what's going on with you guys? We're getting yourself together. When these charter schools got their kids doing their math and all stuff like that, I feel like our kids is lagging behind. And We're I feel like- trouble. Yeah. I agree with you. We're in trouble. I know someone um, that works in a charter school and not only are they um, on top of it, but I don't know if with synchronous and asynchronous, like the teachers would be on for like 45 minutes. They weren't really teaching, at least for my kids. And charter schools, they log in. And this might be because it's middle school and high school that she works in, but her teachers teach in the building and the, the students into their class. This is period one, this is period two. And they're actually teaching. Whereas in the public school system, they don't have to do that because it's a teacher's union 
and all the different regulations that exist. And like you said, our kids, because it's so many minorities, we're like the guinea pigs. And I was speaking to a principal that's, and she actually said, you know, it's sad, but you know, our kids are going to be a guinea pig in terms of whoever's school, because in order to come to school, you're supposed to have vaccinated, but you have this COVID who they have no idea how it works. We'll just send them to school. We're going to separate them. Like, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Like I have my whole living room set up for remote learning. Like I have a whiteboard that someone gave me. I purchased two old school desks for cheap off the internet. Um, I got my notebooks and I'm waiting for them to come with the curriculum. So went on, like I used to live, printed out their curriculum. I went on the New York state board and printed that out. I'm like trying to men physically prepare to be their teacher. Cause I have one that's going to kindergarten. I have one that's going to fourth grade. Those are the two that I'm going to have to physically be their teacher. And then I have one that's in seventh grade. And then I have one that was supposed to start at Brooklyn Tech. So I'm hoping the two older ones, the Brooklyn Tech one, I'm hoping they have it down seven, in seventh grade. Last year, it was just the same thing. It was just, oh, do this, do that. So I agree totally with you like what you were saying like we're screwed like we're gonna have we're gonna have to go to barnes and nobles i, I mean i don't know if everyone's in agreement i agree with you with what you just said but, um for, when your son was in middle school last year and in terms of teachers being on 20 uh for a longer period of time were they on for a long period of time how, how, how was his class so, once in a while they would have to log on and it would be kind of a full lesson but it wasn't continuous it wasn't consistent um yeah it wasn't and my sixth grader who's now going to seventh grade it was the same thing she had assignments she had printouts she had to take pictures so yeah i'm i just i don't have any faith because at least i think they should have given us some type of a syllabus at least to let us see these are their milestones for the entire so if anyone wants to get ahead on they could but we don't know where we are unless you're you know cute or if you know how to read some people that don't, this is not their first language. Um, they don't understand the edu educational system. So they do rely on teachers. You know, we're lucky. We're, you know, we kind of, we grew up in this system. So we can kind of maneuver if we have the time, but not everybody has that, you know, luxury. So, yeah. So you like our school, we have a lot of Middle Eastern parents. What, what are they going to do? You know, there's some people that are first generation, you know, they don't even speak English. Their kids are helping them translate. So how are they going to go on the internet and be able to say, okay, I'm going to be my, my child's advocate and teacher now, you know? I think I, I agree with you. I, um, I think too much time was wasted. I think maybe in August they should have sent, school should have sent out packets of things that the, the kids, the grade that your child is going to, what they could look forward to, to work on. Especially now, um, they had to know. I mean, I'm not. I don't even work in the school, and I knew it from August that the start date wasn't going to be September. And and from there, they should have sent out a packet and said, "Look, it wouldn't have hurt whether the school would have opened on time or it was pushed back like it is now. It wouldn't have hurt for them to send something to say like, oh, okay, so your son is going to fifth grade. Here is the packet. He can get started at home if you like. It's like an option." But this is what to look forward to if um, once September comes, because um, it was known ahead of time that, was the, that this, this problem wasn't going to be solved at all. Um, I, I took it upon myself to download math, um, certain curriculums that um, I know fifth graders will be working on. Um, he, he does some, we go over a few words, vocabulary terms, we do writing, uh, you know, so that, um, you know, I do the best I can at home with him. Um, but there's going to be a delay, and I'm just curious as to how, once this gets started and they log on with their teachers, I'm just curious on how they're going to set this up. Or is it going to be, because remember now in March, they only, well, in March when they had that abrupt, they had to keep them home. It was one of those things where his teacher, his fourth grade teacher, they would log in, I think three times a week. And, but most of the stuff was on Google Classroom. 
so they just have to log into that. But I think because so much time was delayed, I'm just curious to know how they're going to set this up. Would this be a Monday through Friday? I personally feel it should be a Monday through Friday thing. They should log on every morning. Um, but I'm just curious because um, I think it is evident that all this time has been wasted. You know, let me say this. I have friends that are in private school. My girlfriend's kids are in private school, and um, they're struggling. Um, you know, so I don't know. And I, I felt like um, I just was, my March, April, May, and June was the, the least stressful I've had in probably two years. Um, prior to February, I mean, you guys all know, I was up in the school with the principal, bringing a the therapist, bringing this one, bringing that one, meeting with the teachers. I, 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 so I, I was so uh, relieved when he was sitting at my house and I could just do stuff and he's focused and I don't have to hear about, oh, he did this, the distraction, da, 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 and I can get the work done. And so I did not mind that. And I'll say that, um, like I said, my girlfriend had you know, her kids in private school and they really were expecting the kids to do a lot and um, her daughter was struggling. And because for everybody. So even if you have... Um, a teacher that's um, what is called um, that they're doing it in Maryland now. I mean, asynchronization is that what it's called? Um, where they're on all day. Somebody said it was you, Mahisha, that said it just a minute ago. Where they're online all day, the teachers teaching. I forget what they call it. Anyone chime in? Correct me. I forget what they you call it. You have asynchronous and synchronous. Yeah. Okay, asynchronous and synchronous. Right. So and my cousins, they're back in school. I was in Maryland for the weekend and they're back in school. And I believe that they're asynchronous where it's on, the teachers are there all day in the classroom teaching. Um, I think in my girlfriend's in the private school, her kids were, I don't think they were doing it all day. But her son, they were. And some of the kids, <laughs> they found out a way to um, make their screenshot look like they were in class sitting up listening to teachers call winter. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a lot for kids to be on. So I don't know if that's great either, right? Now what my girl, my cousin told me is that they're going to uh, a lecture. And so the teacher, it'll be like college, where the teacher's going to lecture and going to give the whatever she has still for 45 minutes. And I said, well, will the kids have any interaction? She said, they won't be able to get any interaction because it'll be too, you know, that'll be very much of a distraction. So after the teacher does her, her uh, I guess, her syllabus or curriculum, whatever her lesson plan is for the day, if the kids have any questions, then they have teacher hours, and they'll set up time for teacher hours. So, I mean, you know, I don't know how well that is either, but I guess it, it's, it, it may work for some. I know my cousins, they're strong students, whereas one of her kids are not as strong. So it's, it's going to be, it's a little bit of a challenge, she said, for one of her children, whereas one of her kids, she said, they have it, but the other one doesn't. But I will say also, the school that Malachi is coming into, you know, I got a lot of correspondence this summer. I got course, I get correspondence from him every day. Um, I got his summer, I guess his, his summer homework, what they wanted for income in sixth graders, which I thought was a lot when I first got it. I was like, okay, we're just in the school. So they wanted him to do something in every single subject, and I kind of held off on it. But, um, you know, so I'd be curious to see what the teachers have in mind. Um, I spoke to one of the students that is at the school, is, um, and they said they really like the school. I just think that the biggest obstacle at the DOE is the union. And that union has always played a major factor in what goes on. Now, I do trust teachers, and I do understand. I have plenty of friends that are teachers, that are APs and principals, and you really don't, you know, nobody knows what this is. So, no, you know, people do not want to be in the school system, and they don't want to be in the building. And so I do understand that. I saw today that Polly Prep, I have a friend that has her son at Polly Prep, they're outside. And she posted a picture on Facebook, they're outside learning. So they have outdoor classrooms. So I don't know if that's an option for the DOE, if they can do outside classrooms or outside learnings, because I was told that everything is up to the, you know, the principals. So we shall see, but our kids are the ones, like you said, that are gonna fall behind, but which our kids have always fallen behind. So we always get the short end of the stick. And then other parents, you know, they may need to bring their kids back to school because they have to work and they have no choice. So they may feel like they're in a rock and a hard place. They may not want to go into the school building, but they probably have no choice. And I mentioned this on the last call. I really want to know what is the financial, have your child at home for three days? What is the financial obligation? Because I think we know many parents that have sued the DOE and the DOE is paying uh, upwards of sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year for their kids to go to school. 
So if your children do not, the DOE can't provide each child with the level of education that they need, you can sue the DOE. And then they will have to pay for that type of, uh, you know, whatever service that your child needs. But of course, you know, that's the lawyer fee that you have to pay. So many of us don't really have the lawyer's fee. Our percentages are low. But I just really would love to know what, what is the financial obligation to that? Because uh, like Erica, uh, I think it was, I don't know who said, maybe it was Tian that said, there are so many cameras now that have tutors and they have pods and they're able to afford these pods. So, you know, and then there's also, I don't know if you guys read the New York Times, but you have an influx of white parents that have left New York and went to the Hamptons uh, whose kids were in private schools and they pulled them out of private schools and they're now putting them in the Hamptons public. Because their thing is, why am I paying for private schools on $40,000 a year for my child to be at my kitchen table? So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot. You know, some people are like, keep saying, you know, I'm paying for this private school at my kitchen table. I have friends that have kids in college. Hampton, Howard, and they're at their kitchen table. So, you know, and the only thing you get reimbursed is really the room and board. You still have to pay that tuition. So you're still paying that 45000 for your child to be, you're really handsy on, right? So, I mean, it's across the board. I, I try to be sympathetic to everybody's issues because I was talking to a friend of mine telling her about my woes with the DOE. And then she was saying, well, check this out. I have a college student that I'm paying college tuition for that's sitting at my kitchen table. I have a child that I'm paying private school tuition for that's sitting at my kitchen table. So, you know, I have to put it all into perspective. Yeah. But I will say this, the white parents are going to different, and as black parents, we really need to decide what we need to do for our children as well. Erica, you're getting your stuff together. And I say, you know, whatever grade, I mean, our children are, some of us are similar in the same grade, and we need to probably figure out what kind of a pod that we can have for our children. And that means that we all get a co-op going together where we are paying some teachers to come in or maybe some supplemental classes, just reading and writing and, and math. And then we're paying, finding out what that teacher's salary is, if they're charging 25, if they're charging 10 or 15, whatever the case may be. And we're pulling together our funds as a co-op to make sure that we're supplementing. So whatever that core subject that we may feel that is needed, maybe it's STEM, it's math and science. So maybe we need to talk about that. And maybe, you know, you don't want to have more than uh, eight kids in a place, but and then maybe this is an outside setting or a setting where we can go where people are socially distanced and we can regulate how that goes. Testing for our children and making sure that we're in this particular part. And, but that means that everybody has to really be uh, diligent and has to be forthright where they go, right? So we're all saying that, you know, we, are, we stay home and our children, so everyone knows that their safety is not um, at risk. So, I mean, that's something that maybe needs to be discussed. Yeah, I already know a few parents that are that are doing that. Um, that are white. Um, they they have a few kids in the same grade, mm -hmm. and they know a babysitter that also mm -hmm. has their masters in education, but that's also bilingual. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're making sure it's like a group of four kids, and mm -hmm. you know, they're gonna meet up for like two hours. And then I got an email from Maya's pre-K class they're going to put their kids in some type of theater class and they're trying to get five, four or five kids together so that the price comes down. And yeah, so they, they I mean, there are a lot of options that we can have. Those are some mm -hmm. of the options. So I said, those are things that we need. So I have, so but actually, we're lucky, you know, we, we, you know, we're, some of us are one-offs on that. You know, there are a lot of people that are brown and black like us that cannot even think twice about that. That's why I like talked about the financial implications yeah. of the DOE. That's why I said, what is the mm -hmm. DOE's financial implication for this? Yeah, because it should not be that, you know, and this is what always happens. This is capitalism once again. So if you have money, you're able to give your children what they need. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and then those that don't are left out. So, you know, and I, and I have, and I really have a problem with that. I mean, you know, I'm in a position where, yeah, I can probably afford to do that, but I have not always been in that position. And so, exactly. and I know I, I have the one foot where I'm like, yeah, I know what that was like. I know what that was mm -hmm. like that you want to be able to do or your mother wants to be able to do. And, you know, you just can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. So, and I really want to know what is the financial obligation because this should not be allowed to happen. What I was going to say, I do have my Alakai's babysitter. Um, she, she has her own school. She actually has her, they have their, they have several brownstones and she has one of the schools out throughout her brownstone, but she teaches a lot of younger kids. So it's really um, teaching younger kids, but then she, uh, after school for the older kids. But her, and then her mom, all, they have another business that they have, a karate studio in the back of the karate studio, they lease out another space for events. 
And so they're looking at probably, because I had a discussion with the both of them, her mother and I, and, I, and, and now she's looking at, so, you know, she said, okay, so if you have the people, I will definitely get the ear purified. You know, I will put up the stuff that needs to be in here, but I just need to know that people are coming. So that's something we can talk about because she's certified in teaching. Um, so, you know, that's something that we could talk about maybe two hours a week or something that we can get, maybe, you know, whatever it may be. My question is, but then once we start doing these little cohorts and these little groups, isn't that putting our kids in the same risk? Well, that's why I said that we need to be tested and that you right. really need to make sure that we are, um, and those that are involved have to make sure that they, we are low risk. Right. So it really has to be, so are you leaving your home? Right. Who so then are you around when you leave your home? It all comes down to money because then so, testing, and I mean, you know, it's, yeah, I agree. I mean, the I testing agree. is free. But right. I mean, and, I, and I'm talking about testing and it needs to be testing on a, you know, a weekly basis, yeah. maybe a two week interim where you have testing again, but also you have to be in a, uh, and everybody has to be uh, honest and just say, are you leaving? The, uh, where are your kids at? Who are you, who are you around mm -hmm. in terms of tracing? But also mm -hmm. masks should be on too. And then masks should, you know, masks should be on. So, but still, you know, masks should be on, but this is a way where kids can get some type of socialization. And I mean, I'm, I'm all for too, is this um, interactive learning. So if I do something like that, I don't want it to be desk to the car. I want it to be some real, I want it to be progressive interactive learning where the children are, are interacting with the, however they're learning. If that means outside learning and we're sitting in the park and we're learning different ways of critical thinking on doing math problems, critical thinking on how to answer social studies and how to answer history or science, that's what I'm looking for. Because now if, we, if I have the ability to now create a curriculum or create a somewhat curriculum for my son, it will have to be a critical thinking where he is using his mind. This chalk to board doesn't work for our kids. I think our children are too brilliant and their minds are going so fast that, you know, this is why things go on, with, that we have these issues in the school building with our children because our children are just brilliant. They come out brilliant and they come out asking questions. And some people, don't, you know, they're intimidated by those questions that kids ask. Mama T, what do you say? I kind of agree with the situation because it's like, how can I say it? It's kind of like not, uh, it's not supplement is not the word, but it's like we're picking up where the DOE is not, we feel like the DOE is not fulfilling for our kids. I had the man in a summer program because I was like, your brain is not going to go to sleep on me. I was, it was good, but I was like, it wasn't enough. And I felt like I still had to sit on the side to help out because the teacher was doing something. It was a Zoom classroom thing. So it was pretty much like I was picking up the slack on what she was teaching. So I was doing half a, well, you know what? Technically, we are supposed to, but I was doing more than what I was supposed to have done. I was actually going to a common academy, breaking it down for him. I was actually like reteaching him these things. And for me seeing that, and what he did with remote learning in March, I feel like he's not going to get the full, the full understanding of what is to be taught in the curriculum, being that he's not fully in school. Y'all kind of understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, we do. I feel like we do have to pick up the slack. I understand it's free education. No, it's not free education because we pay tax dollars money for this stuff. But, <laughs> but I feel like we deserve to get the best thing. And it's unfortunate that we we at a point to where we feel like if the schools are not doing it with this remote learning, we have to try to pick up their slack. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's all bullshit. I think we know it's bullshit. I think we know that it's an extension of slavery. I think... We know um, from the beginning of school that it has never served brown children, but I think we got so used to, we adapted and was accommodated to the bullshit. It was bullshit before the pandemic. It was bullshit five years ago. It was bullshit now. Where does that leave my son? First and foremost, you begin to understand me and I can only speak on my behalf, how systemic this feels. It was bullshit before the pandemic. It was bullshit five years ago. It was bullshit now. Um, the, the Jewish community, 
and I see their buses going by and I see always in operation. The Jews committed to each other, never again. I'm a person who studies systems and studies foundations. And we always celebrate entrepreneurs, but we don't, in the school system, you don't create them. It's not structured for that. Where is the financial literacy? Where is it? Where is the trades? Where's the stuff that they can actually use? So again, I've always, like this look that y'all, like I'm always looking at this sideways. So where do we step in brilliant black moms in preparation? And because we already know what it is. We know what it is. So how, do we start, how do we do something? I mean, that everybody, we all saw this podcast, Nights and White Moms, right? And I love that Nicole spoke so eloquently, like other people telling our story. I didn't even look at it that way, but yeah, it, that's true. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they are very intentional. And we know this from being in 261. Um, they are very intentional when they come into a place, into a space, on what they want and how they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And what they want that to, what does they, what do they want that to look like for their child? Mm-hmm. Um, I know parents that have meetings prior to coming into a, uh, a kindergarten classroom with their, they gather their parents. So now that they know that there's power in numbers, so they have meetings and cohort groups, whoever you want to call it, prior to their kids coming into pre-K and, and, and kindergarten so that when they come into the school, they know each other and now they know that, okay, so now this is what we do in order for it to, to make it, to take over. The yeah, first thing the they hit is the PTA. And the first thing they do is hit the PTA because they always know that each public school in New York City is allocated the same amount of dollars. Each pupil in the city no one is getting more money than the next student. They did that by design in the 1960s. Uh, and they said, you know, we're going to make sure that this is how we make sure everybody gets the same education. But we all know that that's not true when you have supplements and stuff that comes through the PTAs. Because now parents have found loopholes in order to do things for their kids. So now you can raise money and you can do all of these fancy things. And you can get extra art teachers, music teachers, and gym teachers. So I say, I, and I say all that to say, yeah, what, what can we do? But what creates that, Nicole? What creates that? I want to know what racism. Racism. I mean, let's. I mean, not gonna. I mean, the elephants in the room is racism. This is all institutionalized racism. So we are all living in this system of institutionalized racism, and we are. And I'm reading the book, uh, Case. Yeah, Case. Um, the case systems and how case systems are keeping people down, particularly in America and. Uh, India and in Germany, but she's really focusing on America and this whole case system of racism and institutionalized racism and how, uh, you know, it is set to keep one dominant culture above and the other one below, inferior and superiority. So, I mean, you know, when we have to work, when we have to probably look after our elders, when we have to, and even, let's let's just put it out there, even if you are a Black person that has gone to school, and has gotten your education, and gotten your master's, gotten whatever, lawyer, doctor, you are still taking care of many people in your family. So the money that you're making, let's say, you know, you're making 200000 That 200000 is taking care of so many people because you're the one that made it. So the one that makes it is the one that has the burden of taking care of everybody else. And that could be financial. That could be in time. And let's just let's just put it out there. Even if you are a black person that has gone to school and has gotten your education and gotten your master's, gotten whatever, lawyer, doctor, you are still taking care of many people in your family. So the money that you're making, let's say you know you're making two hundred thousand. That two hundred thousand is taking care of so many people because you're the one that made it. So the one that makes it is the one that has the burden of taking care of everybody else. And that could be financial, that could be in time. So, you know, we don't have this generational wealth. You know, we don't have this generational wealth where mama bought me a house because I graduated college. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, mama paid for my $60,000 wedding. And I'm moving from Wyoming and she brought me my condo. <laughs> me and my husband. You know, we, it, it just doesn't happen. I don't work. He's an artist. I'm an artist. I've never seen so many artists that don't work. And I, and I mean, I don't know when they work because they're always in the school. 
and I don't understand where the money was coming from. And I and I, I can do the math. You're not living in a cheap place for rent. So I'm like, okay, so money's coming from somewhere. You know, everybody had this oppressed child. You know, they have the, uh, you know, and I don't call it the, um, you know, your, uh, what do you, what do cameras leave you? Your, uh, what they leave, what the inheritance that they leave kids, what do they call it? <laughs> your trust fund. Mm -hmm. And most kids have trust fund. I call it the oppressed fund. Because it's money that white people got off of oppression of black people. So whenever I see white people and they have, that is oppressed money. That is the money that you were able to get, whether it was for, you say, I was just a cop and my mother was just an educator back in the 60s and my father was a fireman. But what mm -hmm. your father also got was the FHA loan that the government made up and subsidized and put up low interest rates just for you to move to the suburbs and deliberately and, and intentionally kept black people out, which is called redlining. Mm. So what that meant was that now that house that you probably got in the 1970s for 50000 the equity has grown, and that's how you were able to pull equity out and pay for your daughter's wedding, pull equity out and put a down payment on your son's house, pull equity out and have a retirement where we hadn't gained any wealth. We had no transferable wealth to transfer over to anyone. And so it's all systemic. And everything, all roads lead back to racism. Mm. Oh, that thought. Good point. Nicole. I, um, I guess one I want to say is that, you know, in terms of pre preparation for COVID-19 and how we move forward, I think education is key. I think education is the path of understanding how this virus works, how it spreads, and how we can protect our family members. So, yes, there is inequities in treatments and equities of where you get care at, but it all starts with education. If you have the education, you can make more empowering decisions. I mean, I'm just trying to say is, is that we already know that as our race and ethnicity, we're already below this, the standard of what it is. But the only way that ladder can get higher is if we all educate ourselves. So I would say, in, just in terms of the first point that you guys brought up earlier, that the first difference is education. The second difference is trying to, to understand what is truth and what is not. Because at the end of the day, regardless of our skin color, we are now in a world where everything's polarized. Everything. So the message is polarized for people who look like us, don't look like us, for people who are on this economic ladder, who's on that economic ladder. So you have to, you have to decide what is the truth in terms of how you navigate the system. Second, in terms of the schooling. I mean, my dad always says to me, you can't change what has never been changed. And that's basically the marginalization of black and brown people. That will never change. The only way what we can do is, is navigate. So when I say that, I'm like, ugh, at the end of the day, if I'm paying for an educational pod, I would send my bill to DOE. If I'm doing this, I would see what services they can guarantee me. Sometimes it's not always, sometimes it's all how you know how to circumvent a system rather than fighting it tooth and nails. Because at the end of the day, we are all here as parents. And if one person is doing one thing, we're all entitled to that equity and that, and that knowledge. So it's all about how you find that knowledge and how you choose to spread it and use it. So like I said, like I, I truly believe that everything that we do do is based, everything that occurs on us is based on race. But I do think now, like I said previously, is a much deeper. It's not about kids going to church out now how kids go to these colleges and get overburdened with student debt that's the new black way of keeping black people in poverty student debt student loans mm -hmm. what not to take out what not to do at the end of the day and it's evolution in how how racism has become some you have went from burning people on crosses to now depleting their wealth financially yeah. emotionally and physically. So I just, I just always want to bring back that point that racism does not always come about in a way. It's possible that we can have bankers, we can have doctors, we can have this, but yet we live with debt. 
or we live with the burden of not just taking care of people, but also just that, that mental stress of doing that. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different things that I feel like, you know, we have to look outside because it's much bigger than what this internationally is. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Does anyone have any, any other feedback before we wrap this conversation up? And, um, meet up again next week? Like, what are some takeaways? I think the main takeaway is we've all been saying the same thing. Nicole just said it, Nikki said it, it's education. You know, educating yourself about COVID, educating yourself about the school system, um, about your past. It's all about education. You have to know, you know. And it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean, sorry to cut you off, it doesn't mean the education um, coming from school, like. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I think we just needed to make that distinction. Gathering information, gathering information, you know, speaking to people, uh, reading, it's just information in general. We have to make sure that we arm ourselves with what's going on in the world, um, we can't watch our president and trust the information he's giving us. So you have to disseminate everything that's out there in terms of this this pandemic that's going on. And you have to make an informed decision. Nicole made, you know, said that very well. You know, like we have to navigate. We definitely have to navigate. I think there's a condition. Like um, the reason why um, I, I want to create a, 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 a have to course on economics is because there are conditions that are created. Um, slavery didn't happen, cotton picking slavery, because like Nicole says, oppression, it changes forms. It changes, it ch- adapts to the time. Four stages, the hunters and gatherers, the Argarian farming, the industrial age, which we left out of, um, and then the information age. And if you begin to understand like the economy in these stages, um, you can look at the, 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 the farming era and see, oh, that's where slavery made sense because it was a, a, a demand for this type of cotton-picking slavery during where there was more agriculture in the South or what have you, whatever it is. I'm not saying that's the only form of slavery because it looked very different up here but it was still something to contend with. And we have to start thinking, what is the next condition that is going to be set up, just thinking outside of the box, that is going to be the X thing that's gonna keep brown people down? Because there's always a condition that is created when you press somebody up against the wall hard enough just press them. All they can do is react. All they can do is respond. And I think that we have to be like Erica said, like Nicole said, like Nikki said, damn, like all you guys said, this is something that we were talking about. We had balls enough to talk about when it was still in like in schools, like in the Smurf village stage, what racism, where or like, I don't see, you know, I don't see what you're saying. And a matter of fact, I don't even want to acknowledge what you're saying, but it's ugly. And I think that this has been a a, a learning lesson recently on how ugly it can get. But we know that. And we knew that. We knew it last year. We knew it the year before that. And we knew it 20 years prior. So how do we set up our children to as black and brown children to see the setup. Now there are several set setups, right? But economic wise, school wise, what is the thing that they need to get got to prepare them for the next stages of the information age and whatever stages come after that? Because if you look and reflect in the past, you'll see that the stages were exactly what they were for the time, you know? And so I'm always curious to know as, I mean, as parents just staying several steps ahead of the game of systemic racism and preparing our children. But what that is creating in me and a lot of other parents is being diligent and um, teaching them that just because you stop does not mean life stops. 
does not mean the world is frozen just because the strategy and the system that has been going on is no longer functioning. So it's kind of like a red light, green light, one, two, three. Okay, I'm telling you, red light, green, don't move unless I tell you to move. Red light, green light, one, two, three. Or mother may I, mother may I, can I take five steps forward? No, you may not. We're not moving right now. It feels really weird, you know? So um, we just need to prepare what needs to be gotten. Is it tech skills? Is it, you know, negotiating skills? Is it conflict resolution skills? What do our children need to navigate these times so they will be less stuck? So I just have a I just want to say something. Oh, I'm sorry. Really quick. You know, it's just funny that you're saying all of the things, like we have all moved to just office jobs and, you know, higher learning where we were masters of all of these different trades in the past. There was no farming without a black person, right? We were the electricians, we were the blacksmiths, we were all of these things. But now we've moved on or we feel, whereas we need to own, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And what happens is a lot of people from the Caribbean, they know this. Yeah. Speaking to someone and he says, you know, I don't know why, you know, people are going to college. Not to say don't, but that's not what you have to do as soon as you get out. He went, he got a trade in the union, and guess what? The union is paying for his education. But not least when I get in the union, those are passed down by generation to their sons, to their net their nephews, to their their you know family members, and they know that trick. They know go get the trade. So now you can build the house and then go become a doctor too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, but we don't we don't know these things. It's so interesting know? that you say that because I started doing my own farming in my backyard. <laughs> So I'm growing my tomatoes, my green peppers, my uh, my jalapeno. You seen it, Mahisha? I put it on Facebook. My, my my jalapeno peppers. I'm about to do my onion. I got my stuff coming in, and I'm about to plant my onions and some and corn and collard greens. And my grandmother's from the south, so that's what they did. She was raised on the farm, so you know that's what they did. They farmed their own food. And she's 97. I'm here at her house now, and they farmed her. They 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 had farm to table food, so that's what they did. But one of the things I said COVID will do is going to teach us how to look out for each other again. Because we have no choice. And the way Trump is pushing this, this, uh, this country and the way these white supremacists are coming back up, we're, we will have to rely on each other like we did back in the 60s, back in the turn of the century, where we couldn't go to anybody else because nobody would take us but the black lawyer. We couldn't go to anybody else because we had to go to the black plumber, the yeah. black banker, yeah. the black carpenter, the black teacher, because that it was the way the times were. Yeah. So, and I mean, we're not so you know, up if, if you're in this country, and I tell people all the time, you know, my, you know, I told my father, my, you know, my father's from Trinidad, and my my grandmother's from South Carolina, and I, when I talk to my aunt and those from Trinidad, because they came here in the '60s after the Civil Rights Movement, which allowed, you know, for West Indians and other Black immigrants to come, when Martin Luther King put in. A lot of people don't even know that that was part of the Civil Rights Act. That you know, he put in the Civil Rights Act that all of these Irish and all of these Italians and all of these Polish. Uh, flooding this country and you are not letting in any black immigrants so part of this civil rights movement and you would if you study and you see the influx of when most uh, black people whether they were africans or west indians when they came into the country was post civil rights movement but i told this talking to my aunt and i said you're gonna have to know and i know you probably did this back in trinidad but you need to get together with some black americans that were here and they can tell you how they survived in the south because we're gonna have to go back to how we survived this, this is not going to be a game. This is going to be crazy. Yeah. And thrive, but, you know, because... But I, and thrive. Well, remember the Black Wall Street. Look at Tulsa. I mean, we've had all of these things, right? We had Tulsa. We had, the, you know, we had all of these cities, and they ruined them. You know, they ruined all the stuff that we had. But, you I know, asked, I wanted to ask you guys, what do y'all think about everything that's going on with diversity in the world? And I know all the corporations, I'm, I'm sure all you guys, wherever you work, your jobs, everybody's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? That's such the buzzword since George Floyd. And then I'm wondering, like, what are they doing here at the DOE with all these that are, you know, that this is not So I just wonder, you know, how does, how does this fit into the conversation? I, 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 it's something that I just wanted to put, I just, you know. See, Mama T, you want to answer that? You want to respond to that? How does George Floyd think, so, so what is the situation again, Nicole? 
No, I was just wondering, I know in my jobs that I know their jobs, every, most of these corporations are a lot, fun, funneling a lot of money into um, organizations for black people or organizations of color. And I think the DOE, 15, where they had this whole movement. And so, you know, they, everybody talking about diversity. And I really wonder, like, so what's happening now when you have a school system that's that's middle of color and now has been whole? How is how is that going to fit into this whole diversity, equity, and inclusion that the DOE has? I mean, it just that's that that was. I just wanted to know, like, what what do they plan on doing with that? Feel like they don't know what they're doing. Openings. <laughs> <laughs> So you like, they can't even tackle anything else. They can't even, I mean, just before they was just talking about adding, is that still going to happen? Did they say that? I thought that was, are you talking about the 1619 project? Um, Because wasn't it just talking about adding it back in because the whole George Floyd, yes. Matter of fact, before when the George Floyd thing happened, they said they wanted to start talking about black history again. And remember Juneteenth, they want to make it a national holiday and all this stuff. So they wanted to start talking about that again. But now I don't hear anything. It's like crickets now. <laughs> so I don't even know what they're going to do. And you're probably right. It's not, it's no, no need to even open up those can of worms because they can't even get this together. So why would they even be looking at diversity in the school if we I was just talking to somebody about this. Remote learning, they're not even going to have the teachers from their schools, the teachers from other schools teaching learning students. And then to me, it's like a whole big headache. So I was saying with the, I did blended. The reason why I did blend it because the man needs the teacher to see what he is, how he is solving his problem. And I'm like, all right, so you want to see X, 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 no, A and B teacher Thursday, Friday, and the remote learning, you're going to see another teacher that's not even in the school. So it's like, it's just everything using to me. I wish I had the patience to do homeschooling because I think I will answer that. I don't, like I said, they if they can't even get it together the teaching or stuff like that, I don't think black history or George Floyd is, <laughs> is even gonna be mentioned. We'd be lucky if we get A plus B times C, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tell you the oh. truth. It's it's heartening. It really is. The, well let's now I'm thinking about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, T. Finish your last thoughts. Saying it's very disheartening, everything it just, just is. That's all. So, we definitely, Maisha, mm -hmm. Nicole was talking. Hi. Um, just what Erica and Nikki was saying, I think it'd be good, like, maybe to talk every week. We can each bring something to the table that we our quote-unquote maybe expertise on or things that we can share whether it's resources for our kids um you know things in the community just something where we can share our collective knowledge and then we can each share with someone else who's not on the call that sounds like an excellent idea nicole an excellent idea yeah yeah i like that i like that idea a lot nicole that's great and i think because we got I mean we are definitely in problem-solving mode and you know a part of the merchant a part of being a merchant a part of having a, a trade is being able to get back to solving problems not to figure out the stuff that has not been working and so you know just collectively you know us black I'm not signing up People should not be signing up for this, this bullshit. I'll throw you the bones just because you supposed to want the bones. Who, who does that? It's, it, it, it's a level of fuckery that it's just layers of it. 
And so we got to ask our children a better question. What do you want to do? What are the things that move your heart? What are the things that move your soul? How, what are the problems that you would want to solve in, in this world? Because what I love is the fact that it's anybody's game right now. You know, the uh, businesses have to change. They have to respond to the market. You know, the mayor may be the next person that comes up with a, um, you know, a solution, how to, you know, cover acne more, more appropriately. You know, I mean, the mayor can be our next, you know, genius, you know, any of our children, if they're, if, if we um, continue to cater towards them solving problems, just solving the problems so they won't be so fearful of other people who have these, like, why are we in this situation? And how is it serving our children? And what could they be doing better with their time? I mean, honestly, I, I, I played the game of school long enough. This is not conducive to, to any Black child. And I don't want to get back into the schools to have diversity meetings. Are you going to pay me for that time? I mean, come on, enough. What are they actually learning? Do they need this math to code? Do they need this particular math for financial literacy to learn how to buy real estate? or to start their lemonade stand? Do, do they need that school math? I think not. Stop playing games. So, I, I mean, again, when squeeze make lemonade right now, because we, we're being squeezed, but it's forcing us to use our left hand, and our left hand is great. I think, you know, we have to see uh, problems as opportunities that we can solve, because then we're not even thinking about this, this bullshit that's happening right now in the sense of the stuff that people are really trying to sell us. They're trying to sell us that this is the only way to do something. That's what makes it so, so ridiculous. This is the only way and this, and you're going to wait when we say freeze. Anyway, anybody else have anything to say before we wrap up? Oh my goodness. Good night. I'll see you. <laughs>